Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Last week we saw that uh, Jacob, we're doing a study of Joseph, uh, and, and to get a, 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 the, the best picture we can of Joseph, we're going back and looking at his lineage. And so his father is Jacob, and we kind of followed Jacob a little bit, uh, and we saw that he acknowledged God seeing his labor and, reward, and rewarding that labor uh, in his life. And we saw that not only do our words have weight, the things that we say, based off of the encounter that he had with his father-in-law, we also saw in his acknowledgement of God seeing his works that even today our works have weight. And uh, it matters what we do. It matters what we don't do. Um, again, I, I think about this as, as God's children. It's so important for us to understand that, that this life is not, uh, we had our workers meeting yesterday and I, and I, I shared this, you know, I've, I've shared it before. Uh, I go around the room and, and many of us have different jobs in this, in this world. You know, you may be a firefighter, you may be an accountant, you may be an engineer, you may be a, a, you know, a, a construction worker, you may be all those things, but that's not who we are. That's what we do in a temporal period uh, in, in, in what we call our lives on this earth. And so it's not who we are, but what ends up happening is we allow what we do to define who we are, and that's just wrong. As the children of God, we are the children of God. We are the, the almighty king, the, the, the king of all kings. We are his children. We are his people. The Bible calls us joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are co-laborers together with God. That's who we are. That has eternal significance. That's, that's what's important in this world. And so when we think about, well, I'm going to get up tomorrow morning at Monday and, and, and I've got to go do this. And this, that's not who we are. That's what we're doing for a temporal period of time. And so we have to understand that what we do and what we don't do, or what we don't do as the children of God, really does matter. And if it didn't matter, then we wouldn't have the majority of this book that told us what are the things right to do and what are the things wrong to do. I'm so glad that God loves us and, and that He loves us so much to give us that clarity in our lives. He gives us that direction that this is right, this is, this is, this is pleasing to me, and this is wrong, and this is this. I, I love that. Because uh, I'm glad I don't have to wonder about this life. Well, I wonder if I should do this, or I wonder, I don't have to worry about that. You say, yeah, but the Bible says so many, or the, the, we deal with so many things in this life that tend to be gray areas that we, we don't know, is it okay to do this, or it's no, not okay to do that? Well, that's the amazing thing about the Word of God. It not only just gives us commands, but it gives us principles. And the closer that we get to the Lord, and the more that we desire to be like Him, the more we desire to please Him and to obey Him, the more those principles govern our lives and we think and we make decisions based off of not what I want to do, but is this pleasing to God? And that's what we run everything through. Again, again there would be no charges. There would be no commission for his church. There would be no uh, mission for us to accomplish on this earth if what we did didn't matter or didn't do. But again, there are purposes. God is a God of purpose. God has purpose and he has given purpose to our lives. While we may not see the purpose in all the things, even that we were talking about this morning, many people dealing with cancer and dealing with, with catastrophic life events and loss of loved ones and all these things, we may not always see the purpose in the things that we go through. All things that God does have purpose. Everything. Therefore, 
everything he commands of us to do, everything that we're charged to do in accomplishing his will. Again, that's why I love that song, Lord, keep me in your will. I don't want to be in your way. You know, I, I want to be there. Not where I want to be, but where you want me to be. And so, again, when God gives us his commands, it helps us to do those things that help accomplish his will. Again, and those have purpose. They matter. They, they not only matter now in this life to accomplish God's will in this life, but they have eternal rewards that are going to be seen in the next life. Jesus explained that if we do the things in this life for man's applause, then man's applause is what we get. But if we do the things for an audience of one, and that audience of one being God, then our reward is sure, and it's eternal. There's no reward on this earth that could ever compare to the rewards, to the life that God has in store for us beyond this temporal world. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that the God that, that breathed out the stars and that formed us from the dust of the ground, breathed in the nostrils, the breath of life, gave life, can you imagine the God that has designed so much beauty and majesty? I mean, how many of us drive down the road when the sun is setting? Or how many of us sit on a beach when the sun is setting and we're just captivated by the brilliant colors and the ray of light coming through the clouds at a sunset or, or, or when the stars are, are, are out and, and, and there's no lights around and, and it seems like the whole night sky is illuminated by all these stars? I mean, it's captivating. That's the God who has prepared a place specifically for us for all of eternity. I mean, this world, I mean, I don't know about you, but, but I get sick and tired of having to deal with the junk in this world. I get sick and tired. There's ugly in this world. There's bad in this world. And I'm so thankful that there's an eternal place that we are going to live and serve him for all of eternity. It's going to be way better than this place. And so why would we give so much effort to having and doing things only that have to do with this life? Again, this, this study that we're doing and continuing this morning We'll look at something again very important that has to do with our relationships and relationships are a large part of the reason why we're here not to to have the relationships not but but what they do and what they accomplish and again their their eternal significance in these things we saw this interaction with Laban who is uh, Jacob's father-in-law and how Jacob tore him down uh, he, he he dressed him down the Bible says use the word chode he he berated his father-in-law because Laban was chasing after him, thinking that he had stolen these idols. And so he looks through all of his tents, he looks through everything he has, comes up empty because Jacob's wife, Rachel, was sitting on those idols on her camel and says, hey, I'm sorry, I can't get down. So when he comes up empty-handed, Jacob tears him a new one, if you will, if we're using modern vernacular. And so um, this is where we find the, the, uh, the, the story or our study. And we're going to see what happens after this interaction. What's the result of Jacob dressing his father-in-law down. What, what, what does their relationship look like moving forward, right? Because I think that at some point in time, we've all had at least one difficult or one awkward encounter with somebody where somebody lost their temper, somebody lost their cool, somebody told us how the cow the cabbage, or maybe you were the one that did that. And, and, and then now after that's over with, what does it look like? What, how do you move forward now? I mean, this person just dressed me down. They just told me everything they feel and how sorry I am to them. <laughs> how do we move forward? You know, what, what, do, what do we do now? Where do we go from here? What does that look like? And so, um, again, I think that we can get some principles, I think two important principles uh, from what we're going to look at. So let's pray and, and hopefully get through both of these. Father, thank you again for this day. Thank you for what you do in our lives, God. And uh, Lord, we, we, we rejoice on the mountaintops, God. We rejoice for the answered prayers and 
and uh, for the things that you do allow us to see, the victories that you allow us to experience, and, and uh, again, that our eyes are open to in this world. But we know that you're a good God, regardless of what we see, regardless of what we witness and experience. You're a good God, and you're a right God. You're a just God. All your ways are right. All your judgments are, are right. And we know that you're holy. And so, God, we trust you with everything. Lord, even through the valleys, even through the times that we don't see or understand, God, we trust you. And, Lord, I thank you for uh, this church. I thank you for a church that's devoted and dedicated to praying, to calling on you not only for help, but also for direction and uh, in our lives and our church. Lord, we pray that you would continue to, to drive us like that, to be a people that are calling on you, relying upon you fully, uh, people that are, that are fully passionate about you and fully passionate about others. Lord, help us be those, that, that church. We pray that this morning uh, your word would go out, that this message would, would, would land in every single one of our hearts the way that you intend for it to land, Lord, that it would impact us, that we'd walk out of here, and we wouldn't walk out here, uh, walk out of here the same, but we'd walk out of here stronger. Maybe we, we walk out of here convicted and changed, Lord, that we would walk out of here uh, more equipped, uh, Lord, just, just responding to your word in the right way. And again, as Brother Jeffrey prayed earlier, if there's someone here that's lost, they've never surrender their life to you, a God that loved them so much that you paid the price for their sins, or that you rose again to give life to all who would believe. There's somebody who's never surrendered their life to that God. I pray they'd realize that this life is so short, that eternity is truly long, and hell is real. And if they don't accept that free gift of salvation, that's the only option for them. The only, only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And I pray again, if there's someone here that's, that's never trusted you for that, or never surrendered to that, that they would do that before they leave today. Lord, just use me now as a, a vessel. Speak what needs to be spoken, Lord. And we'll praise you for it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 31 is where we're picking up. Growing up, my dad was a, a bricklayer, a stonemason and brick mason. And uh, I got to see him build some pretty cool stuff. I remember going as a kid. I think it was somewhere maybe in Dallas. I don't know. Uh, it was a fancy neighborhood because it was a fancy house. It was a big house. And I remember uh, when we first drove up to it, it had this big open, I mean, it wasn't finished yet, but it was like uh, the, the, the middle section of the house where you were going to walk in. It just seemed like it was just huge. It was gaping open. And, and uh, I can't remember if he was building it or remodeling it or, or, or something, but uh, they, they had some huge walls, and, and I just remember as a kid looking at that house and thinking, man, my dad built this. I mean, this took a lot of time, took a lot of effort, took a lot of sacrifice, a lot of things that went into to building these things. I've, I've seen him uh, lift heavy stones and, and, and build things out of stone and, and, and those center blocks and, and build things out of block. Matter of fact, uh, when we moved to Connecticut when I was um, nine years old, and I got saved in the church up there, and the church didn't actually have their own baptistry, so my dad built a baptistry, and it was built out of block. Uh, they were basically just walls that he built out of center block, and that's the baptistry that I, I got baptized in. And, um, and so I, I just have these thoughts that it's, it's really cool, uh, and we realize that walls have purpose. I'm thankful for the walls that we have in here because it's getting hot outside, and we're trying to keep it cool in here, so I'm thankful that these walls are protecting us from the elements. They're insulating us from the heat. They're keeping this place cool. And so, again, so thankful for certain uh, aspects of walls uh, that they do. Again, but there's also, of course, a negative uh, side to walls uh, that are in our lives. 
there are, again, positive things, but there are neg negative things. In our text, we're going to see some stones being used. We're going to see uh, something used to build something, but I think for uh, a good purpose and also for a different purpose. Uh, Genesis chapter 31, if you're there, you can follow along. If not, it should be on the screen of verse 43. So this is after uh, Jacob just tore his father-in-law a new one. Laban answered and said unto Jacob, These daughters are my daughters. So now Laban's about to pour out his heart and explain his case. These are my daughters, and these children are my children, and these cattle are my cattle, and everything you see is mine, and what can I do this day unto these my daughters or unto their children which they have borne, my grandchildren? Well, I mean, what else could I do? I mean, this, this is my stuff. This is my family. This is what means something to me. Now, therefore, come now. Listen, okay, I, I messed up. You messed up. Let's, let's come together, he says, and make a covenant, me and you, and let it be for a witness between me and you. Verse 45, Jacob took a stone and set it up for a pillar. And Jacob said unto his brethren, gather stones, get more stones. And they took the stones and they made a heap. They did eat there upon the heap. Laban called it Jager Sahuduath or Dutha or whatever. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce that. But, uh, but Jacob called it a Galid. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between me and thee this day. Therefore was the name of it called Galid and Mizpah, for he said, The Lord watch, or keep watch, between me and you when we are absent from one another. I think it's right to say that they were uh, good. There's a good aspect here of them working things out, if you will, making this covenant. Uh, but I also think that we could say it wasn't necessary to do so, the way that they were doing this. In the culture, in the custom, it was what was to be expected. But again, when we consider what relationships look like and what they're supposed to be, was this necessary for this to happen? Notice what they were doing. They were setting up stones. They were talking about what these things signify, these agreements, this covenant that they were making. But more than that, they were essentially making a boundary. Look at it. Verse 50, If thou shalt aff afflict my daughters, if you aren't my daughters... Or if you take other wives beside my daughters, if you don't treat my daughters right, no man is with us. See, God is witness between me and you. And Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, look at it, and look at this pillar, which I have cast between you and, and me. I've put this between us. This heap will be a witness, and this pillar be a witness, that I will not pass over this heap to thee, and thou shalt not pass over this heap and this pillar unto me, for harm. So again, we look at this and we see that they, they put up this pillar, they put up the, this heap, these stones, they build this and they put it as a covenant, as a, a witness between them to say, listen, you treat my family right, I'll treat you right, and let this be a, 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 a right thing. Let it be a, a reminder for us. Let it be a, a proper boundary that, that we're not going to pass this, this boundary to do each other harm. That, that, that will set this up. And look at verse 53. And the God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their father judged between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered sacrifice upon the mount and called his brethren to eat bread. And they did eat bread and tarried all, all, all night in the mount. And early in the morning Laban rose up and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. And Laban departed and returned unto his place. So the pillar and the heap were signifying that there was an agreement between these two men that they weren't going to do harm, that they were going to treat each other right, that this is what was the, the relationship was going to be moving forward, to treat each other, to treat family right. 
But in doing this, there was no doubt there were some defense, defensive measures being taken. They were protecting from something. So first this morning, I, I want to look at this first point in your notes. If you got it, you can write it in there. There are healthy boundaries in our lives and our relationships that we should establish. There's healthy boundaries that we have to do. Again, in our lives and our relationships, there has to be healthy boundaries. Um, and if we don't have healthy boundaries, our lives can take really negative turns. We can really see some negative things happen if there aren't healthy boundaries. What, did that, what does that look like? What do healthy boundaries look like? When we, when we consider our lives and consider relationships, we consider what we do and how we have, what does what do healthy boundaries look like? Well, the amount of time, I think, in, in, in one, one aspect is the amount of time that we spend with things, certain things. Is it healthy or is it a healthy boundary to watch hours of sports or hours of TV every single day, every single week, and yet only spend minutes with the Lord? Is that a healthy balance? Is that a healthy boundary to say that, that, that I can sit down and I can watch my kids play ball all day Saturday? I can, I can sit down and watch uh, college football all day long, which I, I'm with you. I, I can do that. But is it a healthy boundary? Is it a right balance? If I can do that and, and, and sit down and, and, and do something like that all day or for hours on end and yet only give my Lord who shed his blood to purchase my soul minutes a day. Again, we need to have healthy boundaries with our time. We also, I think, need to have healthy boundaries with other things, with, with things like food, with things like our jobs. Have healthy boundaries with our jobs because some people can work and work and work and work and, and, and never have the right the balance with, with their Lord, uh, with their family, with their health. Again, we can, we can have unhealthy boundaries in these areas. We need to have healthy boundaries with things like social media. Uh, many of us know that uh, you can get just absolutely caught in a, a whirlwind of, of, of a vacuum of time when it comes to social media. You, you get on there, and the next thing you know, it's, it's an hour later, and you're like, I was just reading a couple posts. I was just reading a couple articles. I was just looking at a couple pictures, and you're like, wow, gone just like that. Again, and we need to make sure that there are healthy boundaries with social media, healthy boundaries with TV, Healthy, healthy boundaries with movies and, and healthy boundary with games. And it's an interesting thing because I never thought that I would be talking to adults about games, right? That's just the generation we live in. It's just what it is. I remember when, when we were growing up too, uh, when we lived in, in Roanoke, and, and we, were we were just talking about this recently, there were times that we went outside and we just, we just played like army, we didn't have, like, gear or anything, but we just played it, you know, whether it was with sticks or we climbed trees. And uh, another thing I was thinking about is, is we used to have railroad ties, and those railroad ties were good for everything. You could border a driveway. You could border a flower bed. You could build an army fort, and we did. You could harbor snakes with them, and we did. I remember one time, uh, Ashton and Jeffrey had been having some snake problems out there at frog camp. And, uh, and, and so I was thinking about all this today, and uh, I remember one time, and it, it's a, it was an adventure for me because my dad was going to move these railroad ties off from, they were up against a tree, and me and Sean and Mickey, and, and we were all out there. 
and they, they he moved the the railroad ties, and and underneath there were some snakes, and they were bad snakes. They were like a cottonmouth and a uh, what was the other one? The copperhead, yeah. And the cottonmouth took off, and I think Sean or or, or my dad, somebody, uh, took a, a, a hoe to it and boom, a garden hoe and and chopped it in half, and the, and the top part of the body kept slithering away, and, and we couldn't find it. And, and then the other snake, the copperhead, it was gone. And we, we got so enamored with the, the black snake that the, uh, the copperhead went away. We, we found it curled up underneath a tire. I remember we pulled that tire away, and that copperhead was right there. Anyways, um, I have no idea why I shared that story. <laughs> Railroad ties. <laughs> Railroad ties. <laughs> playing in trees and playing army. There you go. Go back a little bit. Anyways. Um, but that's what we did. You know, and I remember thinking, and this is funny too, like I wanted to be, like we had horses next to us out there, and, and I always loved the horses, and, and uh, I, I wanted to be a cowboy. I never had like a holster. I had a little pop gun or whatever, but I never had a holster. So I, I made a holster out of duct tape. And, and, then, and then I wanted to be a cowboy so bad that I, I, we had a hamper. And I got on that hamper and I put a belt around that hamper. And that was my horse uh, on that thing. And, and, you know, you could rock back and forth on the hamper. But uh, anyways, that's what we did. You know, we didn't have games. But when, when Nintendo came out, the original Nintendo, our lives were transformed. It was crazy. I mean, Mario Brothers and, and, uh, and then, like, I think Mickey and Sean, they, when Zelda came out, they got out there. Some of you may like Zelda and like Zelda. I think that, that was wearing me out. I wanted action and adventure. I didn't want to do all that planning and figuring out and bartering and dealing with people. I don't, no, nobody has time for that. But uh, anyways, uh, we, we got that game system. And, and at, at that point in time, as a kid, you would never think that it would get to the place that we are today. And uh, again, I have, have generations now growing up on technology and games. And I mean, people do this as a living. They, they play games for a living. I mean, I know sports athletes do that too. But I'm talking about they sit at a, a chair with a controller in their hand and they sweat playing that game. And they get into it. You, just never, you never think that it would be that. But it does go to show that that in, 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 our, in our culture, there are things that we have to make sure in our lives, make sure that there are healthy boundaries. And again, games, movies, TV, entertainment, uh, sports, all those things are important things. I shared again yesterday with our, our, our leadership, uh, our, our ministry leaders, and I told them, and I, I think I've shared this in here before too, I'm just a bad social mediaite, right? That's just the way it is. I've admitted that, but I also admit that um, it's probably an area of, of leadership that I need to grow in uh, because there are young people and there are young adults and there are people that, that live a lot of their lives on social media and through social media. That's how they connect. That's how they get truth. That's how they get information. And so as a, as a leader and, a, and as a leader, you know, a, a spiritual leader, I, I want to make sure that uh, if there is influence to be given, that there's right influence that's given as well as all the other junk that's out there. And so I, you know, I, I struggle with that because my whole thing is this, and I shared it. This is, this is, this is the honest truth why I, I have not just dove right into social media wholeheartedly. 
Number one is, is the boundary thing. I don't want to get saturated and pulled into it and be in it for hours. I just don't want to do that. Uh, but probably that, that's not first of all. Number one is this. I don't want to offend anybody. That's the honest truth. I don't want to offend anybody. And that's not because I'm going to put something out there like the, the scriptures or say something that's offensive. That's going to happen. I, that's going to happen all the time. People are going to have something to say about what I have to say. People are going to disagree. People want to argue. I'm not going to get into arguments. I'm not going to do all that kind of stuff. I don't do that. I have not done that. won't do that. Just, it's just not going to be the case. I'm not worried about offending people like that. I'm not worried about offending people with any pictures that I put or anything. I'm not worried about any of that. What I'm worried about is that we've got a church of like 300 people. And there's a lot of people that are on social media. And as mature and as strong as we would want to be, the reality is sometimes people realize that some so-and-so liked theirs, but they did not like mine. <laughs> and, you know, wisdom says just don't, don't even play that game. You know, don't even get involved with that so you don't have to mess with that. And so I, sometimes we, we'll go out of town, and I'm like just sitting around like, I'm see what's going on out here and so i'll somebody oh i i'm uh I, I like this or my kids did this or somebody's birthday and then and then my mind starts going oh great how many birthdays how many birthdays on social media you know and i thought wait kids pictures and grandkids and 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 i get overwhelmed and i'm like i don't know about all this you know i i, I don't know that i can deal with that because i don't want to go out there and like somebody who says this scripture spoke to me today. I said, yes, amen. And then somebody else says, you know what I can't stand is people that blank, 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 blank. I'm like, oh. I don't want to have to like theirs and not like theirs because they, they think they're speaking the truth too, but they're just speaking foolishness. I don't want to play that game. So anyways, that's a lot of, a lot of time to talk about social media. Anyways, uh, boundaries. <laughs> boundaries improper balance again it happens quickly and swift and it's destructive in its nature that's what happens when we have unhealthy balances and unhealthy uh, boundaries in our lives so i have a question is it healthy to be at the beck and call of others uh, when there are also others in your house that suffer so we can have unhealthy boundaries and balances with our time and with what we do and entertainment and stuff like that. But in our relationship with other people, uh, sometimes we have unhealthy balances with others. Uh, but, uh, and, and, and so we'll make sure that we're at that bad call and, and when the others in our house uh, suffer as well, we can all be guilty of that. But the truth is this, we're to live as living sacrifices. The scripture tells us that in Romans chapter 12. But we also have to ensure that healthy boundaries protect every relationship that we have. Beginning in our home. So when we look at healthy boundaries, what, what is their ultimate purpose? Having healthy boundaries ensures some things. I think healthy boundaries ensures proper use of time for one thing. Proper use of time for, as I said a while ago, for the Lord, first and foremost. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything that we need in this world food, clothing, and shelter, and water will be added unto us. 
the world, the Gentiles, they stress over, uh, I don't know if we're going to have enough money, I don't know if we're going to have this. And so they seek out for those things, they live for those things, they live for the, the tangible things in this world. And Jesus was telling his followers, don't do that. You as my followers seek me and my kingdom above everything else. And I promise you, I know the very numbers of the hairs on your, on your head. I know, I know when a sparrow falls to the ground, you're much more precious to me than a sparrow. I, I, I know everything going on in your life. And so I'm not going to let you go hungry. I'm not going to let you go without the things that you need in your life. As long as you seek me first and my kingdom first, I'll take care of you. Proper boundaries ensure us to be able to seek the Lord first and foremost. They, they ensure that we can love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Proper boundaries also ensure that we have proper use for family, proper time for family. Bibles tells us that we're, as husbands, are to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. It tells us as fathers that we're to raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, the, the instruction and the direction of God. That's how we're supposed to raise our kids. Not in the ways of the world, not to be successful in the world's eyes, but in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord to equip them to live a life of victory for God, to equip them to be prepared for eternity, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ themselves. That's how we're supposed to raise our kids. And we have proper boundaries. It ensures for us to, 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 to take care of our families rightly. And then, of course, for others, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it tells us that we're not to use liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love, we're to serve one another. That's what we're called to do in this world and, and in the church is to serve one another. And if we don't have proper boundaries, we can't properly serve other people right. But when we do have proper boundaries, we always will have the right amount of time for all the things that I just said and for protecting ourselves as well. Not only proper time for God and our family and for others, proper boundaries also keep us from sins. Sins that are destructive in our life. The, what, what kind of sins? Well, proper boundaries help us Avoid sins of the tongue. Psalms chapter 141 verse 3 says this. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Maybe Jacob should have prayed that prayer before he took, took vengeance on his father-in-law. You know, maybe when you're upset or when you're feeling like you need to respond to something on social media, or maybe when you're getting to a place where you feel like you need to dress somebody down, maybe you turn to this scripture and pray this prayer. God, set a watch over my mouth. Lord, keep the door of my lips. Again, a couple weeks ago, we saw the script that it said that we're not supposed to be swift to speak. We're supposed to be slow to speak, slow to wrath, quick to hear. We're not supposed to speak in anger or frustration, but we're supposed to speak with grace. Proper boundaries not only ensure that we avoid sins of our tongue, things that we say, how we say things, the way things come across, it also helps us make sure that we don't have sins of the mind. Matthew chapter 6, in that same chapter that he would eventually say, seek you first the kingdom of God, he explains in verse 22 that the lamp of the body is the eye. What illuminates our, our, our mind, our lives, is the eye. And he says, if your eye is healthy, then the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is not healthy, if it's bad, if it's evil, then it'll be full of darkness. And how darkness that is. Again, the things that we look at, the things that we see, the things that we watch. Again, in our age of, of technology, it's everywhere. It's all the time. You can't drive down the road. You can't watch a, a, a television show without the commercial. You can't even, it's, it's even hard to watch kids' programs without questioning what they may be seeing or what they may be hearing. Psalms 101, verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. 
We can set up right boundaries that ensure that we don't sin with our eyes, with our tongue, with also with our body, the thing that we do, the things that we do, the places we go. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14. Enter not in the path of the wicked. Don't go the way that wicked people go. And don't go in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by. Don't even get near it. Turn from it. Pass away. Isn't that amazing? How many, how many times Christians in this world try to, to border, we try to border that line of, of, of ungodliness, the way that lost people live and say, well, we've got to be like them to win them. No, you don't. Jesus was not like them, and he won a lot. He was otherworldly. He wasn't worldly. He was not of this world. He came from heaven, and he said that. I am not of this world. And he told in John chapter, uh, John chapter 20? Yeah. No, 17. Maybe in his prayer. He was talking to the Father, and he said that, I'm not of this world, and they are not of this world. Talking to his talking about his followers. So we as Christians, if we're going to have proper boundaries, we've got to make sure that we don't enter into the path, that we don't get near it, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, pass away, go away from the way of the wicked, for they sleep not except they've done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall, for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence, but the path of the just is as a shining light. It shineth more and more into the perfect day, the way of the wicked, is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. All three are found in the summary at the end of this chapter. If you look at verse 23, look what it says. Keep the heart, guard your heart, your mind with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It's what you do. It's the decisions you make. So protect your mind and your heart. Protect the things that you do, the places you go, the influences you have. It goes on and says, put away from you a forward mouth, a false mouth, a, 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 an erroneous mouth, and, and perverse lips, but far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on. Your eyes, keep them straight, focused on the right things. Your eyelids look straight before thee. And ponder the path of your feet. Think about what you're doing and the things you're, the places you're going, how you're living, and let all your ways be established. Let them be firm, unquestioned, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Turn not to the right nor to the left hand. Remove thy foot from evil. So again, set boundaries for what you hear, for what you see. For what you read, where you go, who you hang around, the time you spend, your relationships set boundaries that are healthy. Why? Because proper boundaries ensure that we do have healthy relationships with others, but most importantly, a healthy relationship with our Lord. As I said, the, the destruction of sin is swift if proper boundaries aren't set. John, uh, James chapter 1 says that God doesn't tempt anybody with evil. That every single one of us, we're drawn, here's how it happens, we're drawn away with our lust. Because we're tempted. We're enticed. And then when we give way to that lust and it conceives, it brings forth sin and sin brings forth death. But I want us to know this morning, and it looks like we're only probably going to get point one, is this, setting boundaries, proper boundaries, takes discipline. It takes discipline. But I believe it also takes accountability. See, as these two men said, let God be a witness, they were saying it among the brethren. They were saying it to each other. Hey, we're going to set this boundary up. We're going to, to, to do this, and we're going to be accountable. This is going to be a sign. We are going to be accountable. It takes discipline. It takes accountability. But it also, as in our text, as we saw what Jacob did, he made a sacrifice. Setting proper boundaries takes sacrifice and it takes effort. Those stones didn't get put upon themselves. They had to do it. 
They had to set the boundary up. It took effort. It took sacrifice. It took discipline. And again, there was accountability. When we have proper boundaries, that's what happens in our life. Listen, men, one of the greatest struggles in our, in our, in our t- day and time is pornography. It, it's out there everywhere. It's, it's in many of our pockets, it, it, available. It's not necessarily there, but it's available in our pockets. It's, it's, it's in our computer screens, that are in, in our TV, it's on our remote. It's, 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 it's everywhere. It's available. And if there aren't po- proper boundaries, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get pulled in. And I'm not saying just men. All I know realize that, that ladies can have that too and struggle with that as well. But it takes discipline, and it takes sacrifice, and it takes some effort. It's quiet in here. Just realize that. Laban and Jacob set the pillar up and the heap up, and they made this covenant together. They were countable. So this morning, I want to encourage you, if you're struggling with having healthy boundaries, learn to listen to someone that you trust, someone who cares, and humble yourself enough to be accountable, to ensure that you can seek God's kingdom first, that you can love God above all, that you can love and you can lead as a child of God the way that God has called you to love and to lead your family and others. And that you can live an other's lifestyle, an other's focused lifestyle. Because that's what Jesus did. And that's what we're supposed to do. And I want it to be noted. No healthy boundary tells God no. No healthy boundary tells God no. Hey, where were you? Well, I was just... You know, I was just trying to manage my time, right? And so, so I didn't do what God asked me to do. No, that's not a healthy boundary. Healthy boundaries ensure, first and foremost, as we said a while ago, that your time with God is, is right. He's God. He said, in, in, even in the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods. Nothing, not yourself, not someone else, not something else, is to come before me. No other gods. And it's easy for us to excuse that away or, 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 or try to justify that, but that's just the truth. Either he is God only, or he's not God at all. He's just a God. And we know he's not. And so no healthy boundaries tells God, tells God no. Again, if we'll just remember this, we're bought with a price. We're no longer our own. The musicians come. Maybe we ask the question, should these men have had to set this boundary up between them? Should they have had to put a, a pillar and, and a heap of stones? Could, should they have just been able to say, you know what, let's just do the right thing. Let's just treat each other right. Let's just, let's just do what God, is. I, I would say yeah. But I think it does serve a lesson that sometimes in our, in our lives, in our relationship, we do come across those times that we, we have to say, you know what? Let's put a proper boundary here. Let's make sure that we are ensuring health in every aspect of our life. Let's make sure that we, we're, we're doing 
what's pleasing to God in our relationship with each other. And so again, maybe you're here this morning and you struggle with boundaries. You struggle with boundaries concerning your time. Maybe you struggle with boundaries uh, with TV. Again, as I said a while ago, maybe it's struggling with boundaries concerning your job, how much time, effort, and stress, again, your job. Maybe it's, maybe it's your kids' stuff. Maybe it's games, gaming. Maybe it's internet time, or as I said, social media. Maybe something, it, it, it's, it's a boundary in your life that you're struggling with that something has captivated your lust. Certain aspect, maybe it's greed, maybe it's covetousness, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, uh, something that you don't have and, and, and you are, it, it's captivated you and so the boundaries have been taken down and you're in pursuit of that. Maybe it's, it's gone so far that it's conceived and it's causing you to sin, it's drawing you into sin. I'm telling you this morning, the best way, the best answer, the best solution is to find accountability. But before you find that accountability, you got to repent. Set up those healthy boundaries. It takes discipline. It takes effort. It takes that accountability. It takes sacrifice. I'm no longer going to have this cable channel. I'm no longer going to have just uh, no filters on my internet. I'm no longer going to uh, look at this or be online without this. Or I'm no longer going to talk. I'm no longer going to do this if you don't have that. And you're struggling with that. That's what has to happen. There has to be repentance. There has to be those proper boundaries. As I said a while ago, maybe you're struggling with the boundaries concerning others. Maybe you're too much about yourself. Maybe you're too much, too much about others in an unhealthy way. This morning... May this interaction between Jacob and his father-in-law be a reminder and what they did help us remember how important healthy boundaries are. I hate that I ran out of time telling you stories about snakes and, and social media and stuff like that because uh, I really wanted to get this second point. It's so important. So uh, I, I'm not, this is not, wasn't done on purpose, but I truly am. Uh, I want to ask you to come back. Make sure you're here next week so you get the second part of this so that you get what, what is very unhealthy as well uh, in, in, in this process, what was going on here. And so, um, but let's be reminded there's healthy boundaries. And maybe this morning, that's all you need to do. You just need to talk to God and say, God, I'm sorry. Man, I spend so much time watching TV. I spend so much time at my job. I spend so much time uh, even doing good things, like spending time with my family. But I do all of these things, and I, and, and I don't I don't have a proper boundary about my, around my relationship with you. I don't spend time with you like I should. God, help me establish right boundaries so I give you the time, so I give you the effort, so I give you my service, everything you deserve, so that I'm able to seek your kingdom, you and your righteousness first, above, every, above everything. Again, maybe it's a, a lust or a sin or something you're struggling with. God can help you. If you've got a relationship with him, he can help you. And that's the other thing. If you're here and you don't have that personal relationship with God by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, I'm telling you right now, you're, gonna, you're living, the Bible says, in condemnation. And so I say, well, why would God let me do that? He, he, he did something about it so that you wouldn't have to live like that. That's why he sent his son to pay for those sins. He took the condemnation upon himself. 
He took the judgment, the wrath upon himself. He paid the price for our sins. We all commit the sins. We, we're the ones that tell the lies. We're the ones that have the lust. We're the ones that, 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 that steal and cheat and, and, and do the things that are wrong. And we may not necessarily be bad people, but we're the ones that commit the offenses. Jesus came to this earth, God, in the flesh, and, and he lived a sinless life. And he committed no sin. He lived a holy life. And he went to the cross as that holy, perfect, sinless sacrifice to shed blood that would be payment to be applied to our account if we would receive it. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And here's the thing, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, would not die in that condemnation and then die the second death for all of eternity in the lake of fire. You have to understand that God didn't want that. That's a place for God's enemy, the Bible says, for Satan. That's a place for Satan's followers is the lake of fire. That's what their eternal judgment is. God's not willing that any should perish, no human, but that all would come to repentance. But every single person has to make that choice. Every single person has to come to that place where they realize, I have sinned. I've lied. I've done even worse things. And sometimes people struggle with that. Well, what about all these horrible things I've done? Can God forgive me for that? Absolutely. If he can forgive a murderer, which he did, Paul was, the Apostle Paul. If he can forgive an adulterer like King David was, he can forgive you. The Bible says when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you trust that that sacrifice it, it can give you life, that, that what God did for you was enough, when you give your life to that and you surrender control of your life to him for that, you trust that he died and paid that, but he rose again the third day and you believe that he is the only way, that that sacrifice did it, that his resurrection is real, and that he's your only hope for heaven. When you surrender control of your life and trust him for that, the Bible says that you get born again. That you're made new. And you, you, you get this gift that he says is eternal life. That condemnation that you're living with right now on your head doesn't have to be. It can be removed because of what Jesus did. But you have to accept it. You have to trust it. And when you do, that's when you get the help. That's when, that's when you can, you can have, see the help in your, in your relationships. That's when you can see the help in your life. That's when you can see the, the, the help in every aspect of your life. And, and as you saw, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, like I've just explained, you saw there's people here that are followers of Jesus Christ that go through hard things, that go through difficult trials, that go through diseases and, and strokes and, 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 and struggles. They, they deal with, we deal with these things still. But our hope isn't in this life. It's beyond this life. And so we know one day, because he rose, we too will rise. We'll be out of here. We won't have to deal with this sin, sickness and disease anymore. And so again, if you're here and you've not placed your faith in Christ, I'm begging you. Don't leave here with that condemnation still on your head. Don't leave here with the judgment and the wrath of God still abiding on your, your soul. Take the free gift. Accept what God has done for you and, and, and experience life like you've never experienced it before. But it's a choice you've got to make. And I encourage you to do that today. You can come down. We'll have a couple ministers here, and they can show you even more out of God's Word how you can have that free gift.
You say, I, I don't know about that. Then, then see us afterwards. You can grab one of us privately. It doesn't have to be during the invitation. You can, you can grab one of us in the back and say, you know what? I, I want to know about going to heaven when I die. I, I don't want to go to hell. I want what you were talking about up there. And we'll be happy to show you in God's word. And Christians, let's make sure that we have right boundaries. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given us today to rejoice in you, to worship you, uh, to give you praise and glory for uh, the, the works that we've seen and the answered prayers and, and for your word and, and for truth and for freedom and all these things. God, we're thankful. Thankful for eternal life. Thankful that we can learn lessons like we did this morning about having proper boundaries, healthy boundaries. Lord, help us, help us to have this in mind, that it would resonate in our lives, that there's no healthy boundary that tells you no. Lord, as your children, we realize, again, we're not our own, that we've been bought with a price. Healthy boundaries start with seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. And so I pray that you would move in all of our hearts and lives like that. And again, if there's someone here that needs that free gift of salvation, that need, they need your forgiveness in their life, to have a relationship with you. I pray that they would move this morning as we sing. Lord, we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.